Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Um, great to be able to share from the Word this morning. And this is a sharing that we're going to do together, right? This is not just me sharing the Word. We're going to share the Word together this morning. That's why we're around tables, one of the reasons. It's not just about eating pastries. So that we can do something together this morning. So I hope that helps if you're part of our church and you regularly come here then it's really important that we share together. If you're here for the first time or you don't come very often, you're really welcome. And just as you're welcome around our tables to share coffee and pastries, you're welcome to share with us in the Word as we look at the Bible this morning. So I really want to encourage us to do that together this morning. As you will know if you've been here before, um, we've been in a series called For Such a Time as This, but particularly here we're looking at some books in the Bible called Colossians and Ephesians. Because David has asked us to look at this because he says knowing who we are at this time and knowing what God has called us to be and to do is absolutely vital. And that's why we're looking at these books. Um, Stephen and Benji have kicked us off on this already, and we're going to expand on this a little bit more this morning. So uh, I've called this talk, Time Together, Showing Together, Dear Church, because we're looking at letters, hey? And you might expect a letter to start with Dear Church. They, they don't actually, but we'll kind of see how that unfolds a little bit this morning. So Dear Church. And one of the things that it says later on in the letter of Colossians is that we are to let the word of God, the word of Christ, dwell among us richly. It doesn't mean to dwell in me as an individual richly, actually. It means that among us, speaking the word to one another, sharing in the word together, looking at the word together, that's Paul's encouragement. And that's why we're around tables and doing this together this morning. So, um, <clears throat> letters come in envelopes. Now, you should all have one of these on your table. Uh, well, there should be enough for one each. If you've not got one, please wave your hand, because I really want every single person to have a letter. Okay, there's some on the table behind you, Phil. Uh, anyone else who's not got a letter? Or an envelope? I haven't told you there's a letter in it yet. Who's opened it already? <laughs> it's an envelope. Good. So uh, we can get a lot of clues about letters from the envelope they come in. And uh, I want us to share together... You've opened it. Oh, that's okay, Margaret, don't worry. Um, um, I want us to see together that, that the, this letter to the Colossians was written at a real time, from a real place, to real people... It was written by a real person and written for a real purpose. And because it's a letter like that, it has real relevance to us today as real people for real purpose. So um, I want us to think about what information do you get on an envelope that might tell you something about the letter? You know, some letters you look at and you think, oh, I'm not going to open that today. Oh, that one's going straight in the bin. Or oh, some of you rip open because you're just so excited, you can't wait. So I want some <laughs> audience participation. Shout out for me. What information do we see on an envelope? Dear Occupier. Dear Occupier, okay. <laughs> or what else might that be called? What, what else might that be? Address. Your address, yeah. Someone's name, perhaps. What else do we see on an envelope? Stamp. Stamp, great. What else do we see on an envelope? Postmark. Postmark, great. What else do we see on an envelope? Sometimes on the back, sometimes not even there at all. You send put it in, in the post box. You do put it in the post box, that's right. 
So it's come from the postman. Might say who it's from on the back. Thank you, Becky. Okay, so let's think about some of these. Let's go back to um, uh, the first one, the name of the um, address, the name, the name of the person receiving it, sorry, the name of the recipient. And what I'm going to ask you to do is open your envelope. Because we have the first part of Colossians that we're looking at in letter form in your envelope. So I want us to read this together. And we're going to look at verse 1 and 2. You'll see it looks a bit different because it looks like a letter. Verse 1 actually is verse 1 at the top. Verse 2 is verse 2 a bit further down. And we're going to see what we can find out from these verses about this letter to the Colossians. So here we go. It starts at the top. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. Two, God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. Did you see that? Who's the, who's the letter addressed to? Right at the top, uh, just be, below the top, verse two. It's addressed to God's holy people. And uh, that word holy, you, you don't tend to use it very often of people, would you? But Paul said, you're holy people. What does he mean by that? That word holy means you're set apart to God for purpose. You're set apart to God for purpose. And he's got another title for them. I don't know if you spotted that. The faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. He's addressing a family. This letter of Colossians is not written to individual people. It's written to a holy family, to brothers and sisters who share the same father, our father in heaven. And that's who he's addressing it to. And as such, that means that this letter is not just something for one person or an individual. It's something for everybody in that church to share, to hear, to receive and to respond to. It's not just for me, it's for us. And that's really important. Okay, what did we else say? Oh, we said about the address. Yeah, great, 12 High Street Market. No, it's not 12 High Street Market, Harborough. You get the address in verse two as well. Did you spot that? To God's holy people in Colossae. And Colossae, um, we have a map. I don't know whether you've been on your holidays to Turkey, but... This is where Colossi was. It's on the western part of Turkey. It's not there today. Um, and uh, at, at, part, at, at that time, it was called Asia Minor. And it, it was, it was a, sort of a fairly good going town or city, but it had been declining in influence for about 300 years. Places like Laodicea and Hierapolis and, and Ephesus were the much more important cities. So maybe it was getting a little bit downtrodden in some ways. And something else really interesting about Colossae, I said it's not there today. It was destroyed by an earthquake, probably only a few years after this letter was written. But did you spot, there's another address there in verse 2, because he writes to the faithful brothers and sisters in Colossae, in Christ. These holy, this holy family has two addresses. They are in Colossae, they are in Christ. 
more of this later and much more of this in Colossians and Ephesians, what it means to be in Christ. There are loads of things to look at. Okay, next one. Um, Who sent the letter? Well, we get that right at the top. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. To be an apostle means that Paul knew he had been sent by God, by Christ Jesus, with all the authority of Christ. That's what it meant. So basically, he's saying everything in this letter, it's from Christ to you. It's not just from me, Paul. It's from Christ to you. He also mentions uh, in that verse, Timothy, who was with him, who was going to help the church later on. And a couple of other people don't appear there, but I'm going to tell you about them because it's interesting. There's a guy called Tychicus, who we read about in chapter four. He was the postman. He took the letter to the, Ephes- uh, to the Colossians. And there was another chap we read about called Epaphras. We read about him in verse seven of this chapter and later on in Colossians. And Epaphras was the guy who had known Paul, who heard about Jesus, who went back to his hometown of Colossae, planted a church there. You might expect that, that he would be receiving this letter, but actually he'd gone back to Paul to tell him all about what was happening and ended up in prison for it. So this is um, a church, perhaps without its founder, its main leader maybe even is in prison. This is a new church. It would have been very young and perhaps only a few years old. It was a church in a declining area with no great traditions or fabulous history, but they mattered. And Paul writes to them because they matter. Uh, What else did we talk about? Oh, we talked about the postmark. What does a postmark tell you? Well, I guess it tells you where it's been sent from and a bit about the date. And we know from um, later on in Colossians, and we can infer from some other letters Paul's written, that he's in prison when he writes this letter. He's in prison because of Jesus. He's in prison because he's talked about the good news of Jesus. And he's been spreading that around. Um, He's not a free man. He's restricted. Probably in Ephesus, in prison, he could be in Rome. There's a bit of debate about that. Um, He's under hardship. He's at risk of death. But still he's writing to uh, to this young church. And interestingly enough, it's a church he'd never met. He mentions that in chapter two. He says, I've never met you. But still, even though he's in prison for the gospel, for Christ, he's going to write to this young church. When was it written? People think around maybe AD 55, AD 60. So you're kind of talking 30-ish, 25 years after Jesus had gone back to heaven. That sort of places it a little bit. And then we've got the stamp. What do you see on on our stamps? You often see... Well, we've been seeing the Queen for a long time. Now we see the King on a, on a stamp. You see who's in charge. Who's in charge for the Colossians? They're part of the Roman, Emperor, uh, Roman Empire. Caesar is in charge. And uh, they're part of a culture of, of Caesar and emperor worship. They're part of a culture that's got some Greek heritage, some um, cults and some all sorts of things going on there. They're in, a, in an empire where there's a lot of Roman propaganda that says, if you worship the emperor, you'll be safe. You'll have security. You'll have peace. You'll have forgiveness. It couldn't be more different from the gospel that Paul is telling them about and the good news of Jesus Christ. So in some ways, although they're at home, they're in very foreign territory. 
And if we think about one other thing I just want to mention from those first two verses is the envelope itself. You see, the envelope is a bit like um, a wraparound, if you like. The letter goes in. The envelope completely encloses it, wraps around it. And there's something else in verse 2 that's really important for us to see this morning because Paul writes to these um, Christians and then he says, grace and peace to you from God our Father. And it's like everything I'm going to write to you, says Paul, everything I'm going to say is coming with grace and peace from God our Father. Is coming with grace, that way in which God is always leaning towards us in love, leaning towards us to bless us, leaning towards us with good. It's coming with peace, that settled and contented wholeness and flourishing that comes because of God's work in God's world. Everything with grace and peace. So why are we looking at this? Where does this leave us? Well, if we were to flip forward to chapter 4 in Colossians, we see that Paul intended his letter to the Colossians not just to be read in Colossae, but to go to Laodicea, to go to Hierapolis, and to go to other places. This letter, although it was specific and particular to Colossae, had lots of things to help other churches. And um, I believe for, for us, we know that the word of God is for us. This is our letter we get to share in this too. The Holy Spirit has preserved this letter from Christ for us. You know, we can and we rightly should see our name on that envelope, our address, Living Rock Church, Market Harborough. We need to see and remember that we're a holy family, set apart for God, for his purpose, that we're especially useful to him right here, right now, in our time. And everything he's going to say to us comes with grace and peace, with that wraparound of grace and peace. I think that's really important for us, right at the beginning of this year, to have that settled in our hearts. We're family. And we're here for purpose, special purpose. Right, so let's move on a little bit because we're going to have a little bit of time around our tables now and um, I want us to read on a little bit. So around our tables, I want us to read out loud together, verses 1 to 8, and then I want us to think about and talk about what can we find out about the Colossian Christians from verses 3 to 8. What are they like? What do you find out? You might like to highlight it. We've got some pens if you need pens. Uh, somewhere. I don't know if the pens have gone out yet. They're all in that thing. Um, I want you to highlight what you, what you see about the Colossian Christians or underline it or write notes. What are they like? And then we're going to think about that together. And um, I'm going to give you, not very long, three minutes. So read it quickly together, out loud, and think about what you know, and then we'll come back together. And we can have a little bit of music on while we do that. Thanks, Sam. Uh, I know that you've barely got started. And it's good to leave you thinking, there's so much more in here because we can all go away and look for the more in the week. But um, <clears throat> just be really quickly, quick for me now because we're a bit, uh, haven't got much time. Just shout out 
any, anyone, any table, what, what you've read about what the Colossian Christians are like. Go. Bearing fruit. Bearing fruit. Faith in Christ. Faith. Love for all God's people. Heard the gospel, understood it, making a loud noise. Yep. Anything else? Hope. Great. Great. There is a, I was only sitting on this table for about a minute and, and people coming up with things I hadn't seen. And that's the great thing about looking at the word together is you see much more and gain much more than just yourself. Anyway, perhaps we can have a quick look at the next side because these are some of the things um, that I found out because I believe that this... Oh, oh, we jumped ahead a bit. Okay, can you go back a little bit? Sorry, I've lost track. And then get back again. Oh, okay, missing slide. No worries. Okay, you can go forward again now. <laughs> so what I saw was that they are a faith, hope, and love people. Sound familiar? Yeah. They are bearing fruit and growing. They are the reason Paul is giving thanks to God and praying. How encouraging would that be for a young church who's never met Paul, but he's praying for them and giving thanks for them. And they are a valid, authentic part of something bigger. If you look at verse 6, Paul says, what the gospel is doing among you in your church is what it's doing everywhere across the world. And not only across the world, when we move into the next few verses in Colossians, which I'm so itching to do, but I can't do it today, uh, we see that this is not just worldwide, it's cosmic, what Christ is doing. It's everywhere and everything. And I want to say that this is our story because we are in the same way a faith, hope and love people. Living Rock Church in Market Harbour, we are a faith, hope and love people and not just because we did a recent teaching, <laughs> teaching series on it. We are bearing fruit and growing. We are bearing fruit and growing. We are a valid, authentic part of something not only worldwide, but throughout time and of cosmic dimension. We are a part of that. And we have our part to play at such a time as this. And I really feel these things when I was preparing and reading this passage. This is who we are. And um, this is not just a strategy plan for the year ahead to say this is what we should do. This is who we are now. And it includes all of us. All of us who know Jesus and are following Jesus, this applies to all of us. Um, were the Colossians the finished article? Had they just got it all so sorted? No, they hadn't. Because if you read through the letter, Paul's going to come on and say to them, I want you to love more. I want you to grow more. I want you to bear more fruit. I want you to stand really firm in faith. They were not perfect. But he could see the seeds of these things in them enough to call out their faith, hope and love, thank God for it and tell them. And there's something else that helps us in this. It helps us to be confident that this is who we are. And if you look at verse 12, it says um, this. That the Father has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people. I'm breaking into a sentence and we'll come back to that. But the reason Paul could be so confident was because it's not about the Colossians keeping all the rules. It's not about how good their behaviour was. It's because what the gospel is, 
is that God has done it for you. The standard that they need to reach has already been met in Christ. And God says, you are qualified. And to be qualified doesn't mean just having a certificate or a pass mark or reaching a particular standard. It means you are fitted for purpose. You are ready to be or to do something. And that's really important that we know we are fitted for God's purpose. And he says, he stamps it across, Living Rock Church, Mark O'Hara, says, qualified. It's really exciting. Can you see how this is all about grace and peace (laughs) from God our Father to us? It's not about what we do, it's what he's done and is doing in us. And we have a part to play at this time. We are made for purpose. We are ready and fitted for this. Our time, our lives, our place here really matters. Really matters. This is another one of these things to let settle it in our hearts. Start of the year. This is who we are and what we're here for. But I want us to read on a little bit because um, Paul (coughs) has given thanks for these Christians. And that's a great motivation to go on and pray. And he's going to go on and pray. And we're going to just read from verse 9 down to verse 12 what Paul prays. And just think about a couple of aspects of that really quickly. So Paul says, for this reason, all that he's heard about them, since the day we have heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people. Next slide, Jim. Thank you. That's what Paul is praying. How is he praying? Did you see that right in verse 9? We've not stopped praying for you. (laughs) And we continually ask. Next slide, Jim. Thank you. So it's not just, dear father, do this. Dear father, dear father, dear father. I don't think this means he was praying 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I don't think that's what he means. I think he meant that every time he's praying and he would have had regular times of prayer from the Jewish customs he grew up with, regularly, always, always, always when I'm praying, praying for you. Always when I'm praying, praying for you. Always, continually, every time I'm praying. That's how Paul was praying. And it's interesting, it wasn't just the the Colossians he was praying like that for. He says the same thing to several other churches in the New Testament. So uh, we know what motivated him. We know he was praying all the time. What did he pray? Next slide, thank you. So, and next, thank you. So he prays that they would be filled with the knowledge of of God's will. Filled with the knowledge of God's will. That is a big prayer, hey? What is God's will? I mean, I think to put it simply uh, straightforward to think about it, I think it is, well, God's will is God. To know his will is to know God. And then he um, 
goes on to say how this is going to happen. He says, through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. And wisdom is linked with the will of God. If you think uh, wisdom, I think most simply explained as living God's will in God's way, in God's world. So knowing God and then living out what we know of him is living in God's um, world, in God's way. This is massive. It's so big, isn't it? To think that Paul wants this new church not to just have a little bit more knowledge of God, not to just move up in the next stage of their Christian life. I want you to be filled with the knowledge of God. Paul, well, how on earth can, I, can we do that? But he gives the answer. The Holy Spirit gives the knowledge of God. Again, it's not about my effort. It's not about how much I read or what I do. The Holy Spirit, first and foremost, gives this kind of knowledge. And he gives it so that we can walk worthy, pleasing to God, bearing fruit and growing. Do you see there's almost a bit like a cycle going on there? That you know God by the Holy Spirit and that's going to help you to walk worthy, bear fruit and then come round to know God more. It's an ongoing thing. We're not the finished article. We keep growing. We keep knowing more as we live a life in the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to walk worthy? I think, in essence, that means that Jesus Christ is our centre and everything about us revolves around him. We take every reference point from him. We bring everything to him. He is our centre. He is our core. And from that core, from that centre, comes our direction, our growth, how we live and move. He is our centre. That's the encouragement that Paul is bringing to these Christians. And we're going to be able to do that because the Holy Spirit gives us this knowledge. Let's look at the next thing Paul um, prays for because he goes on to say, being strengthened in verse 11 with all power. Sorry, did Paul, did I understand you there? Being strengthened with all power. <laughs> How is that going to happen? The next bit is according to his glorious might. Um, that word strengthened is the same word as power. So literally, Paul is saying, oh, Father, I'm asking that they will be empowered with power. Oh, he's not just asking that. Saying, Father, I'm asking that they will be empowered with all power. And he says empowered with all power that's like your glorious might. Again, it's another massive prayer from Paul. He's not just asking for a little bit. He's asking for all of it. Because he knows that these Colossian Christians in a young church, in a foreign environment and culture, are going to need the power of God. And we might think what happens next is a little bit unusual. Why do they need the power? Is it to fight battles or to be the top? No, it's to endure patiently, to keep going, to keep going, to keep going. If we want to know this year how to live God's way and keep going, the Holy Spirit will show us how to do that. And God empowers us by his Holy Spirit to live that way. And it's all because, as Paul finishes in verse 12, the Father has qualified us to be a part of this. It's just so wonderful. 
Can you see again grace and peace here? (laughs) Grace and peace, the Holy Spirit with us and for us. And it's, again, it's not just the Colossians he's praises for. If you reflect through Ephesians, you'll see some almost identical prayers of Paul for these same things. We need these things. And I just, I just love how this is a great example for us. This part of the letter, you know, think about how Paul has spoken to this young church. He's spoken with love. He's seen the seeds of faith, hope and love and called them out and brought encouragement to them. Then he tells them, I haven't stopped praying for you. And he tells them, I'm praying these massive prayers for you so that you can live God's way in God's world. And um, I've been really um, encouraged by this myself to think about how important it is that among us, we see the seeds of faith, hope and love. And we encourage one another. I see you loving people. I see your faith. I know you have hope. Yes. I'm seeing you grow. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing you bearing fruit. How wonderful, actually, to speak to one another in those ways. I feel very stirred that that's something to really grasp a hold of and to do. You can hold me to that because I've now said it, haven't I? But also... What a prayer for people. And, um, you know, we we can pray for all sorts of things. And Paul isn't saying here, you don't pray for anything else, just these things. But I've been really uh, impacted, I believe, by the Holy Spirit. So we really need to pray for wisdom. Mm. Wisdom from the Holy Spirit for ourselves as a church, as a church family, as well as wisdom in our own families. Mm. We need to know God and to live his way. Um, and I think that that's, again, something for us to think about and to do, to really commit to pray for one another. We really need one another. <laughs> We're a family. And if Paul knew that this was the most important thing he could pray for the Colossians, I don't think we're any different. So let's think about these things and be prepared to pray for one another in this way. I love this quote from... Um, a book that's been really helpful for me in this preparation. Um, It says this, Paul's gratitude for the Colossian believers seems to launch his imagination into the stratosphere. He is convinced that an event with cosmic reverberations has taken place. There has been a revolution in their lives, bringing a transformation as total as the difference between night and day. And it's because God has qualified you. God has qualified us. So we are qualified by the Father. We're secured in the Son. And we are equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit for such a time as this. I really believe this. And I really hope that together we can grasp this, encourage one another in it, pray for one another, and see this bearing fruit and growing bearing fruit and going, happening this year. I feel like there's so much more in here. (laughs) And one thing I just want to say by way of encouragement is that to study the word with friends really, really helps. Something that I've been learning about and doing more in the last few months, and it is a huge blessing. Um, And as we go through this series, just think about that. Whether you can find a friend, spouse, in your family with children, 
and really look at the word, read through Colossians together, bit by bit, and ask, what do we see? What's God telling us? Um, and be blessed by that in that way. Can we just pray together as we close? <clears throat> Father, I thank you that you um, have blessed us through your word this morning, that your Holy Spirit is with us and among us. Thank you, Father, that you have set us apart together as a holy family for purpose in Market Harbour, in Desborough, in the towns and villages around. Thank you, Father, that you know what we need and you are the God of all the universe and the cosmos. Your storehouse is vast for us. So we thank you for one another. We thank you for faith, hope and love among us, for the bearing fruit and growing. And we ask, Father, that you will grant us by the Holy Spirit wisdom for these days to walk in your world, in your way, to be pleasing to you. And that you will empower us by your Holy Spirit with all the power we need to keep going and to keep being fruitful. We thank you that your kingdom is growing and advancing. And we just want to say we're all in. We're all in for that this year. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.